Insightful podcasts by informative hosts. Insights into Things, a podcast network. Welcome to Insights into Entertainment, a podcast series taking a deeper look into entertainment and media. Your hosts, Joseph and Michelle Whalen, a husband and wife team of pop culture fanatics, are exploring all things from music and movies to television and fandom. Welcome to Insights in Entertainment. This is episode 119. Who's cruising to a new mansion? Me, me, me. I am your host, (laughs) Joseph Whalen, and my enlightened and informed co-host, Michelle Whalen. Hi, everyone. How are you doing today, dear? I am doing well. How are you? Doing okay. How was your week this week so far? Long. Yeah. They're always long. Uh, By the time Wednesday come, comes, it's like, is it Friday yet? And yeah. like, ugh. They do yeah. get to be that way. Yeah. So. so today in our Disney Detective, Disney is now requiring employees to be vaccinated. And the stars of the new Haunted Mansion movie have been announced. In our Tales from the Edge of the Galaxy, Mark Hamill has some quality time with Grogu. Oh. Plus, Disney Parks announces pricing for the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser experience, which is a lot. (laughs) To say the least. And for entertainment news, Kevin Kevin Feige's reaction to Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow drama, and then some big changes coming to Doctor Who. And then we'll finish up with our insightful picks of the week and some afterthoughts. Mm -hmm. Uh, before we do that, though, I would invite all of our audience to subscribe to the podcast. You can get audio versions of this podcast listed as Insights into Entertainment. Video versions of all the network's podcasts are listed as Insights into Things. We're available everywhere you can get a podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. Uh, you can also contact us. We would certainly appreciate your input. Tell us how we're doing. You can email us at comments at insightsintothings.com. We are on Twitter at insights underscore things. On Facebook, you can get us at facebook.com slash insightsintothingspodcast. We're on Instagram at instagram.com slash insightsintothings. Or you can get links to all those and more on our website at www.insightsintothings.com. Are we ready to get started? Let's do it. All right. Go for Disney Detective. So our first story came from uh, Local10.com News, um, and it is uh, out of Orlando, and it basically came out saying that the Walt Disney Company had announced on Friday that they are now requiring all of their salaried and non-union hourly employees working at the sites in the U.S. to be vaccinated against COVID-19. They had said, at the Walt Disney Company, the safety and well-being of our employees during the pandemic has been and continues to be a top priority, the company had said in a statement. According to the statement, employees who are not currently vaccinated will have 60 days from Friday to do so. Employees who are currently working from home will need to show proof that they have been vaccinated prior to returning with certain limited exceptions. Uh, We have also begun conversations around this topic with the unions representing our employees under collective bargaining agreements, the statement also said. Uh, In addition to new hires, I'm sorry, in addition, all new hires will be required to be fully vaccinated before beginning their employment. Uh, Employment. Vaccines are the best tool that Uh, We all have to help control the global pandemic and protect our employees. And then earlier this week, Disney had actually announced that they would once again be implementing the mask mandate in all of its parks. So beginning last Friday, guests are required now to wear masks while indoors and aboard all uh, resort transportation, regardless of their vaccine status. 
Interesting. Well, you know, I'm not surprised by this. Um, I, I'm shocked that we haven't had a lawsuit yet. Right. Um, I, and this is, again, it's murky water. I don't know. Right. I don't know where you can, can, there's no precedent for saying that you have to get a vaccine, especially considering the vaccine right now is still not fully approved by the FDA. Right. And I think there was an article uh, that said by September it That's was going to be. The Pfizer vaccine. The Pfizer so the vaccine. Pfizer vaccine, they're trying to get full approval from the FDA right. by September. Right. But the problem is, how can you force someone to get a medication that one, they might not be able to take, so you have right. exceptions to that. And and that's probably where, when it talks about, you know, certain limited exceptions, right. you know, that was in quote. So I'm sure, you know, that's where it kind of falls in for people who medically can't right. get it. Well, and there's, there's um, institutions now mm -hmm. – that require you to show proof of vaccination. Well, you mm -hmm. have people that are already filing lawsuits saying right. it's a HIPAA violation, right. that it's my personal health and I don't have to provide that information. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, on one hand, good for Disney that they're they're trying to protect people. Right, right. But this is something that I can see blowing up in their faces real quick. And this, they're not the only company doing this now. Um, I believe there was an article that came out um, about Microsoft, right. Microsoft was going to not only their employees, well, they're, they're requiring them to pro provide proof of vaccination, right? But vendors coming to their building as well were going to have yeah. to show proof of vaccination as well. So you're starting to see more and more people, I guess, taking it a little bit more seriously than you know. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't do these things. Mm -hmm. I just think that our current laws are incompatible with right. them. So you're going to have to have some kind of legal precedent mm -hmm. that says, okay, in these extenuating circumstances, right. they can ask for this information or right. they can demand that you get, take this treatment. Like to me, I equate it to sending our kids to school. Mm -hmm. In order to send your kid to school, you have to have this entire battery of vaccinations. Right. You have to provide mm -hmm. it or if you – don't believe in vaccinations, you have to have some sort of letter from your church right. saying that it's against, you know, your religion. Okay. So if I have to do that to send my child to school. Right. And now the exception there is those vaccines are all fully FDA approved. Right. None of the vaccines that we're talking about right. here are at this time. At this time. And right. that may be the exception to this rule where you can't do it. Right. Without that FDA approval. I don't know, but this is a legal, this is a series of legal right. cases that are oh, yeah. just waiting it's, to happen. Yeah. Who knows where, you know, it's going to go at this point. So. Yeah. But on a brighter note, let's talk a little little bit about the Haunted Mansion. So this was some news that, that came out last week. Uh, so it seems, so this article happened to be from Deadline.com, but it was all over various different places. So it seems uh, Lakeith Stanfield and uh, Tiffany Haddish are now in talks to star in Disney's new Haunted Mansion uh, movie. So the production team that produced the live action hit Aladdin would be producing through their rideback banner. Um, so, um, and it looked like uh, Justin uh, Simon uh, would be directing. Um, other than that, really not a whole lot of information about how the story would be, um, you know, where they're going with it. Just, you know, the, these, this is our first little um, hint, you know, our little taste uh, or, or tease of this. Um, so the Haunted Mansion ride obviously debuted in 1969 and has been a park favorite uh, ever since, appearing in both Disneyland and Disney World. So the premise behind the the ride, if you've never gone or or watched any of our podcasts where I talk about the Haunted Mansion. The idea is that you're, you know, taking a ride through uh, a haunted house, um, and there are some very classic characters. Um, you have Madame Leota and the Bride and the Hatbox Ghost. Um, so, uh, you know, so it, it's, it's chock full of 
all of these uh, iconic characters that could be part of it or, or maybe not at all. Um, now, if you're saying, hey, wait a second, didn't they already do this? Um, they did. They actually had adapted um, the ride into the 2003 uh, movie, which was directed by uh, Rob Minkoff and starred um, Eddie Murphy, which had moderate success. And those that are Haunted Mansion fans are kind of, you know, 50-50 on it. Some enjoyed it. Some thought it was horrible. Um, so maybe now they're going to take a another stab ha, 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 at, at this and, and maybe it'll be a little bit more darker because that um, was something that had been hinted at years ago as well after the original movie came out that they were going to do a different version of the Haunted Mansion and actually have it be a little darker. So we'll see. We'll see what, what comes off. Well, from this, Disney couldn't do any worse than than the Eddie Murphy one because it really was a terrible movie. It wasn't that bad. Um, so the Eddie Murphy one. So there's a number of stories storylines that are associated with the Haunted mm-hmm. Mansion. Yeah, was the one that was pursued in the Eddie Murphy movie one that was a traditional one of the Haunted Mansion? No, that was one they kind of you know they had different aspects, different characters from. The ride that were part of it, but the underlining love story type thing, um, you know, wasn't yeah. wasn't one of the main ones that they. So if you could had. have one of the known associated Haunted Mansion stories as this as the theme for this movie, which would it be? Oh, I don't know. That's a tough one. Because I think no matter what you do, you have to incorporate the psychopathic bride. Yeah, I definitely think you, you have, have to, to have. She's like the one of the biggest like parts of the ride itself. That, right, that but she wasn't. But she wasn't even in the original ride. Like you always had the bride. There was always, you know, the ghost bride. Right. But up until recently, she became, you know, the Black Widow bride, right. where she, you know, killed all her husbands and and things like that. So. That would kind of be a, an interesting uh, well, a take on it. What happens when you introduce life insurance policies to the mix? <laughs> so. True, true. So that was all we had for our Disney detective mm-hmm. this week. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with our Tales from the Edge of the Galaxy. For seven years, the Second Sith Empire has been the premier community guild in the online game Star Wars The Old Republic. With hundreds of friendly and helpful active members, a weekly schedule of nightly events, annual guild meet and greets, and an active community both on the web and on Discord. The Second Sith Empire is more than your typical gaming group. We're family. Join us on the Starforge server for nightly events such as operations, flashpoints, world boss hunts, Star Wars trivia, guild lottery, and much more. Visit us on the web today at www.thesecondsithempire.com. for Tales from the Edge of the Galaxy. So it seems that Mark Hamill, uh, obviously, who we all know, played Luke Skywalker. He did? Yeah, he did. Spoilers. (laughs) So it seems that there were some newly released set photos from The Mandalorian Season 2. So when Disney announced it would continue its expansion of the Star Wars universe by creating live-action shows for its streaming service, there was both obviously excitement and apprehension among the fan base. So luckily, the first of many planned shows, The Mandalorian, won over audiences immediately with its simple yet compelling tale and deeper uh, world building. Uh, the series reached greater heights last year with the arrival of season two, which actually featured numerous surprises. 
but probably the highest point of season two is perhaps the end. After spending eight episodes trying to find a suitable Jedi mentor for young Grogu, our uh, Mandalorian comes face to face with none other than Luke Skywalker himself. Uh, drawn by Grogu's power, Luke arrives just when it seems all hope is lost. <laughs> Maybe a new hope wow. um, to save Din, right? Grogu and their allies. And uh, as this wasn't revealed ahead of time, the Mandalorian's Luke surprise quickly became one of the biggest and best plot points of the year. I, I remember I cried when, you know, it, it, when a, it was a goosebump. It was, moment it was sure. definitely a goosebumpy moment. So the Mandalorian season two finale will actually get a behind the scenes special on Disney Plus with the addition of a new episode of Disney Gallery Star Wars The Mandalorian. So in a trailer for what's uh, to come in August, Disney Plus actually revealed a quick new shot of Hamill on the set as Luke. Uh, there's also one of Grogu offering a little wave to the audience. Uh, Hamill obviously had to be digitally de-aged to play Luke for The Mandalorian, and there are moments that uh, were shot with a stand-in. So, however, the actor made it clear that he was there on set for the scene, and the above picture actually confirmed it, and he even got to hold Grogu, which I thought was really cute, you know, that they had that little moment. Uh, so the Disney Gallery episode will provide more behind-the-scenes info about how The Mandalorian Season 2 finale came together, and there will be likely additional footage of Hamill on the set. Uh, so it can also reveal how the CGI and the stand-in and how all of that kind of came together for this. Um, so again, you know, a lot of fans thought that since Rise of Skywalker, that was the last time we were going to see him. But now that he showed up on The Mandalorian, now... There's opportunity, obviously, for him to continue on. So whether he could ever return remains to be seen. But as Grogu left with Luke at the end of the episode, it isn't out of the question. So the latest episode of Disney Gallery will arrive later this month on August 25th. That's an awfully long time to wait for that, that episode, man. That's not that long. It's already the fourth. So yeah, 20 days, 21 days. Three weeks, you're fine. So what do you think? you think Grogu's going to get his own uh, series now? That would be adorable. But I don't know. I think, you know, like you kind of don't want to overdo it with the cuteness. If there's one thing that we can describe the new <laughs> Disney Star Wars as, it's overdone. True. Everything is overdone with it. True. Um, Disney, if they think they can make a dollar off of it, oh, they're going to shove them down they'll, they'll do. I could see, you know... I don't know, maybe a cartoon. See, but I, I would, don't think he. I would love to see Mark Hamill come back mm -hmm. and see more Luke Skywalker stories, and they've proven that they can do it now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like there's absolutely no reason why you can't do it at this point in time because mm -hmm. they did such a fantastic job with it. Oh, absolutely! And given the the terrible use of Mark Hamill in the sequel trilogies, mm -hmm. that's the least you could do. Yeah. For I was going to say it would, it, it definitely would be kind of the, the payback right. for all the horrible, like you said, all the horribleness that you did in the, the trilogy, yeah. the new trilogy where here he could kind of redeem himself. I think you know? that would be awesome. That would be, that would be cool. I could see a, a Grogu and, and Luke. Uh, you know what else would be awesome? It would be awesome to take a trip <laughs> to a galaxy far, far away and not have it cost an arm and a leg. Although that does fit the Star Wars theme, doesn't it? <laughs> Let's talk about the Galactic Star Cruiser. Uh, so last week um, there was a video that popped up from, I think it was Disney Parks. Uh, it was kind of an insider's look at... Um, the star, the Galactic Star Cruiser, uh, talking with some of the Imagineers who worked on the project, talking about how long that they've been working on this project. So now we're actually getting, um, I guess, uh, a first official commercial for it and pricing as well. So now you can save all those 
pennies and find out how much it's really going to cost. Um, so the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser has been in development for, I think they said, six years, roughly. Um, so while details about what uh, can be expected from this unique resort experience have still been let out kind of drips and drabs or the over the last few years, Disney today dropped its first commercial for the resort and updated the official site to offer some key details. So first up, the commercial doesn't show off too much that wasn't already known, but it does give a new look um, at the standard room that will be available and kind of sets the tone for the experience. Uh, the more illuminating parts of the new information released today involve the pricing and what will be included with that cost. Um, it was known as the Galactic Star Cruiser. Um, it was always known that the Galactic Star Cruiser would not be a budget offering. Um, so on that front, there are no surprises. So a two-night stay, which is all that you can book, it's, it's a minimum, maximum of, of two nights, in a standard room for two people... During off-season, which would be August through September, would come at $4,809. That goes up if you have a family of four to almost $6,000. So no sample pricing is given for the larger suites that are supposed to be available. So now you're asking, all right, what do I get for all of that? So Disney has added some details as well. So with your Galactic Star Cruiser vacation package, you get the two-night stay in a cabin or a suite, ongoing immersive and interactive entertainment where choices will determine your experience, food and beverage on the Star Cruiser, excluding alcoholic and specialty beverages, and a quick service meal at Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo or other select locations at Disney's Hollywood Studio, admission to Disney's Hollywood Studio for your planetary excursion to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> we have a cat scratching, so it's kind of funny. Um, valet parking and exclusive Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser Data Band, also known as a, known as a Magic Band. Um, as expected, the cost will work similar to a cruise line with most food, drink, and entertainment included um, with the cost of your room. Also, you'll get uh, the excursion in the form of admission to Disney's Hollywood Park, um, which happens to be right next to where the hotel is. Uh, that park also happens to be where Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is. So that's kind of, you have your private entrance uh, that you'll be able to get to the park from, from the hotel. Um, so the Galactic Star Cruiser is scheduled to open next spring. So there will be obviously more pricing and more details obviously to come in the coming months. In the meantime, if you go to... Disney's website, I'm sure they'll have more information as time goes on. You know, it's been a while since I've bashed Disney for, <laughs> How long has it been? for, for their greed and <laughs> and so forth, but that's ridiculous. Like, first of all, the price is insane. I mean, that's like a cruise. That's like a that's like well, a five day cruise. Right. And you're getting two days out of it. Right. Which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, second, they're throwing in all these exclusives. Oh, you can get valet parking because you can't park at the resort. So they have to valet park you. Mm -hmm. And they charge you for parking now anyway, so they shouldn't be. So that's really not free. You shouldn't be doing it in the first place. Right. They gave you the magic bands, but now they charge you for it. So you're getting it for free. Well, that's not a freebie either because you shouldn't be charging for that either. I, I don't. Like, I want to do it. I know. And we can afford to do it, but I absolutely refuse to pay Disney that much money for it. I really do. And. I wonder if they'll do anything with, like, DVC points. <laughs> where you could use DVC points for it. This is an example, and we've talked about this, where mm -hmm. Disney has lost a lot of money because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And they've invested a lot of money into things like this. And they want to make it all back up in two days. Right. And that price, that's three times what it should be. Mm -hmm. And I can't. As much as I love Star Wars, 
And as much as I'd love to do it, I just morally, I can't pay that. Right. When we could spend that much and go on a seven day cruise. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, so I, get I was it. very I get disappointed it. to see this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe and at some point we'll be able to do something with DVC, like you said. Yeah, may, maybe they'll. You know, maybe it's half price if you use half Disney points. You know, maybe you're not able to use full DVC points for it, but you can use. You know, I'd be willing to. You know, you get one day in the park. Right. It's a two-day adventure. You get one day in the park. Right, because the other you day get- you're. You know, right. you're on the doing something, right. but it's only two days. And that's like, if, if that was five days, I'd be okay with it. Right. If you could turn that into mm-hmm. a five day experience, I'd be okay paying that price. Mm-hmm. Not for two days. Right. It's like this, this announcement, I, we've been waiting for so long for this announcement mm-hmm. and it was just monumentally disappointing mm. when it came out. It really was like to see that level of unbridled greed from Disney they're literally trying to make back the entire cost of the product project in one season. Now. Well, and the other thing, too, that I want to know is here. here's another thing. Like when you go on a cruise, um, usually there's, you know, some daytime activity. There's an afternoon activity. Then you have, you know, your nighttime show. And then sometimes there's an evening, you know, activity as well. And depending on the cruise line that you're on, sometimes there are things that you can do 24-7. Um, you know, and one of the things from when I went on the Disney cruise and we're talking, you know, 20 something years ago, I don't know again, if it's changed, I haven't been on, on a Disney cruise in, in a very long time was one of the things was depending on what time your dinner was and what time the last show was, you only had an extra hour that the rest of the nighttime activity, like the the bars or the clubs were right. open, and then everything closed. So it wasn't really that it was, you know, it wasn't like 2 a.m. or something. It was like 11 o'clock that stuff closed down because the staff needed to get to bed because they had to start the next day. Sure, yeah. So what I'm kind of wondering, too, is, is it something where by 9 o'clock at night, all the activities are done? Now what do you do with the rest of You know what else the time? has? A ship, and it goes places. <laughs> this is literally a hotel. It, but it goes nowhere. You don't visit any place. Right. You don't go to different locales. It's a hotel. Disney needs to realize it's a hotel. The other thing, too, is there a pool? Is is this, can you swim in space? Does it have any sort of... Well, no, you can't scream in space. You can't sc- but that's the other thing, too, is, you know, like when we go to the park... When we go, we're usually there at rope drop or pretty close to it, and we're usually there until right. it we, closes. We get our money's worth. We out get of our business. money's out. Of, uh, you know, our our money's worth out of it. With this, again, what time do the activities start in the morning? What time do the end? And then, you know, okay, so if the last whatever show is at eight o'clock at night, does everybody have to go to bed then? Right. Or is, you know, I'm sure the bars are going to be open for the parents to to stay up. Because even right now. You know why the bars are going to be open? Because they have to make money. Because they're cash bars. Right. Because they're cash bars because it's not included unless right. you're just getting a, a diet soda or, or something. But that's that's also how it is on a regular cruise, too. Your alcohol usually, depending right. and on. I'm not questioning that. Right. Right. But that's the whole thing is like usually, oh, well, the pool is only open until 10. Right. Okay, but if, you know, Disney Springs is open until 2, but I can't go to Disney Springs because I'm in space somewhere. No, you're not. You're in a hotel, actually. (laughs) It's not a ship. We have to stop pretending that you're it's a ship. a ship. You're in a ship. Okay. Right now. Right. You're you're in a building. Right. But that and I'm I'm guessing people that aren't local to Disney World are probably going to book these two nights along with something else because right. they're already right. I'm not just going to go down to Florida for two days. Well, I'm know? not going to spend $5,000 <laughs> on two nights at Disney. I don't care what you include. You could have me, 
you know, having dinner with George Lucas and the entire Star Wars cast. You you would do that for five thousand dollars? No, because I can't do it with David Prowse. If I could do it with David <laughs> Prowse, you might get. Well, me. yeah, he's dead. So right. So like, there's right. nothing that you can do that justifies that cost. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. So, well, I very won't, very disappointed. I, I won't book it for your birthday then. Yeah, like you were going to. <laughs> oh, so much for our anniversary. Yeah, okay. You pretend. I could. Uh, so that was all we had. We we ended on a sour note there. Wah, 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 wah. So we'll be right back with our entertainment news. Insights into Teens, a podcast series exploring the issues and challenges of today's youth. Talking to real teens about real teen problems. Explore issues from braces to puberty, social anxiety to financial responsibility. Each week, we talk about the topics concerning today's youth. We look at how the issues affect teens, how to cope with these issues, and how parents, friends, and loved ones can help teens handle these challenges. Check out our video episodes on youtube.com backslash insights into things. Catch our audio versions on podcast.insightsintoteens.com or on the web at insightsintothings.com. for entertainment news so unless you've been living under a rock this has been the ongoing drama of black widow pretty much ever since it it came out uh so this article happened to come from looper.com and it talked about how um you know kevin feige um is rumored to have you know a reaction to Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow drama, um, which kind of maybe surprised some people. So not only was the film delayed multiple times, um, but Natasha Romanoff herself was part of the MCU since Iron Man 2 hit the theaters back in 2010. Now, that's a long time for such a major character to wait for their own movie. Um, So the article talks about how, you know, you could debate whether or not Black Widow succeeded in making good on what Natasha Romanoff and Johansson deserved in the sense of emotional impact within the MCU, but the current conversation has nothing to do with that, and it's all about money. So it seems Johansson is attempting to sue the Walt Disney Company over the release of Black Widow, specifically the part where the film was simultaneously released through the theaters and on Disney+. Plus. So the question of how much Johansson or any actor will make when their total salary is partially uh, diverged from the theatrical ticket sales is a major one. It's very likely that prior to 2020, very few people, if anyone, had even considered how commonplace simultaneous theatrical and at-home releases would become. So in short, it's just not it's not just about Johansson's paycheck that rides on the result of this suit between her and Disney. So as you might imagine, Kevin Feige, whose power over the MCU storytelling borders on the absolute, probably has some thoughts about the situation. They just might not be what most people were expecting. So it seems that he is as deep into the worlds of Disney and Marvel as any human is capable of. And after working with Scarlett Johansson and Disney for over a decade, it's only natural to assume that he'd be frustrated with the circumstances that led to the public litigation between the actress and the multimedia giant. However, it's interesting to see that those... Um, whose side he's apparently come out on. So a former Hollywood reporter er, uh, editor wrote a bit about um, Kevin's place in the situation and his most recent What Am I Hearing uh, newsletter uh, via IGN. Um, the, the, art, the, the 
um, the reporter had said, I'm told he's angry and embarrassed. He lobbied Disney against the day and date plan for Black Widow, preferring the big screen exclusivity and not wanting to upset his talent. And then the S hit the fan. The movie started tanking and Johansson's team threatened litigation. He wanted Disney to make right by her. Uh, they also go on to say that Kevin is a company man and it's not as though uh, being in the pocket of a major corporation makes him incapable of caring about an individual. Likewise, it would also be fair to say that this claim about Kevin is true. He um, he might also think Disney's decision to respond to the litigation by saying there is no merit whatsoever to this filing, um, which is kind of bad for business. So we're not talking about the literal court here, we're talking about the court of public opinion, too. So whether or not Kevin actually feels this way is kind of unknown, but it'll be interesting to see if he actually makes any sort of public comment. The other thing that was kind of interesting, there was a different article that most of the other actors from the MCU, none of them have come out in, you know, support or, you know, against or for the decision. So people are kind of wondering about that. Like, what does that kind of say, um, you know, for them, you know, as well with all of this? So George Takei on, on Twitter had posted a question about just a general question of how do you feel about this? And, and using the, the podcast account, I had responded to it and, had a very interesting debate with a number of people on there. Okay. The way that I feel about it is sort of how I stated it last week where mm-hmm. I, I think she's being greedy. Now, that's not to say that Disney isn't being greedy mm-hmm. either. Disney's always greedy. So right. that kind of goes without saying. We kind of already touched on right. <laughs> Disney being greedy already. Right. Um, but there was a lot of talk about the legal standing that she has and I – you know, if you look at it strictly on the complaint, which is published and is available for for public consumption, mm-hmm. if you base your view strictly on that, she's probably got a strong case. However, knowing how Disney does their contracts, there's almost always an arbitration clause in there. Mm-hmm. And there's no indication whatsoever that she went through arbitration with this. She had nego- there, It says in the complaint that she tried to negotiate, her production company tried to negotiate with Disney, and the negotiations were obviously unsuccessful. For Disney, they're probably going to go on a legal technicality of forcing this to arbitration, which, one, gets it out of the courts. Mm-hmm. Two, gets it out of public vision and allows them to settle it outside. Now, you'll remember we talked about Alan Dean Foster a while back mm-hmm. about how his books right he wrote those before they were before Disney mm-hmm. acquired Star Wars. Disney decided they just weren't going to pay him royalties and he sued them for that. Then we had an article not that long ago, a few weeks back with Kevin Feige having this same exact issue where he disagreed with Disney releasing stuff simultaneously because you can almost be guaranteed that his compensation is tied to it. Right. And you'll remember back when um, Infinity War and um, uh, Endgame came out, Mm -hmm. we talked about the compensation package that Robert Robert Downey Jr. Jr. was getting, which was tied to his ticket sales. Mm -hmm. So – this is something that Disney has engaged in, which is really kind of unique in the business these days, that they're paying you based on what the overall ticket sales is. Mm-hmm. And to have a simultaneous release of that, because if you look at the legal definition of a theatrical release, right? a theatrical release is a movie released in theaters, not in a demo setting for paid consumption. Technically, Disney can say that they had that mm-hmm. because they did it simultaneously with a Disney Plus release. Right. Usually what happens is the distinction is when can you have a DVD, Blu-ray, v, uh, VHS release tied to that? And when that happens, there's a delay. Right. The whole concept of Disney Plus didn't even exist when this 
movie was in production. Right. So there was nothing in the clause about doing an, a hybrid release. There's no definition. There's no clear-cut definition of what a hybrid release even is. Right, because there was no pandemic that right. was lingering so you know, you have, at the time. From a legal standpoint, it's muddy water here. Right. Between the arbitration, what is a theatrical release, what is a hybrid release. There's so much precedent that's going to be set here mm-hmm. that it's really a huge case. Right. But if you look at it from a logical standpoint – and and this is kind of where the argument went on Twitter. My point was she's made a fortune from Disney so far. Mm-hmm. She's had a 10-year relationship with Disney. Mm-hmm. Now that her character story is done, right. she feels she can burn her bridges by suing them to get more out of them. That's what I see here more than I see anything else. Because had Disney abided by the the strictest terms of that contract – and release that movie theatrically when it was due to be released, mm-hmm. she would have gotten zero dollars for it. Right. Because there weren't any theaters that were open at the right. time. Mm-hmm. So now you add the extenuating circumstances of a pandemic to this too. Mm-hmm. The fact that she got anything out of it, right. she should be grateful for because there were a lot of people that haven't gotten anything out of Absolutely. the pandemic. Absolutely. Now, we talk about Kevin Feige kind of backing her. And I can understand that because he still wants to maintain a working relationship with her, but he doesn't want to rock the boat with Disney. Right. We already know that he's PO'd about the whole hyper mm-hmm. system too. Right. So for him to come out publicly and say something, I think would be very shocking one way or the other. If anything, I think publicly he would have to come down on the side of Disney. Mm-hmm. Either contractually or just because he knows he's got a future with Disney. Right. He sold his soul right. to the he mouse. He sold his soul to, to, to the house of mouse. And you don't right. want to you don't want to burn those oh, bridges. Absolutely. She knows her characters. Yeah, her character's, her character's done. dead. Literally right. dead. Yeah. Her character was dead before the movie even but the thing is, came is out. She's so. got her own production company mm-hmm. now. She could have had such a lucrative future with Disney. Mm-hmm. With her production company, because I'm sure there were tons of other projects they would have been happy to work with her on. Mm-hmm. And now that's going to be thrown out yeah. for, what are you going to get, a uh, hundred million maybe out of it? Where you probably you probably had hundreds of millions of dollars that you could have gotten out of it mm-hmm. in the long run. Yeah. And it's going to wind up settling. You're not going to find out how much it is. And, and you know, you're she's trying to drag Disney through the mud right now. In, in the court of public opinion with right. this lawsuit. Right. So the last thing she wants is to have it go to arbitration. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's, if there's one thing that I've learned in the past, it's don't burn your bridges. You know, you might get a few bucks out of it here, but in the long run, you're better off keeping keeping good terms. Speaking of keeping good terms, actually it has nothing to do with this next story. <laughs> that, was, that was nice that you were trying to I tie was, that yeah, in. Yeah, I was, I was trying. <laughs> Uh, so it seems that Jodie Whittaker is going to be leaving Doctor Who along with the showrunner, um, says BBC. Um, so the Doctor Who star Jodie Whittaker and the showrunner uh, uh, Chris uh, Chimnall uh, will both be leaving the program in 2022. Uh, Whittaker was the 13th Doctor and the first woman to regularly play the main character in the long-lived series. Uh, Whitaker actually paid tribute to the showrunner uh, and the Doctor Who team in a statement saying, In 2017, I opened my glorious gift box of size 13 shoes. I could not have guessed the brilliant adventures, worlds, and wonders I was to see in them. I will carry the Doctor and the lessons I've learned forever. Um, and then... Um, sorry, Chris had said that Jody and I made three series and out packed with each other and, uh, at the start of this once in a lifetime blast. So now our shift is done and we're handing back the TARDIS keys. Jody's magnificent, iconic doctor has exceeded all of our expectations. She's been the gold standard leading actor, shouldering the responsibilities of being the first female doctor with style, strength, warmth, generosity and humor uh in social media posts the bbc says the pair leave in a trio of specials culminating in an epic blockbuster to air autumn of 2022 as part of the bbc's 
uh, Centauri um, celebration. Um, so Whitaker uh, will also be seen in one more series later this year before she departs. The 13th series of the show that was uh, revitalized by Russell T. Davies in 2005 is expected to air in the autumn and will consist of eight episodes, which were actually filled during COVID restrictions. Uh, comedian John Bishop will be joining the regular cast as a new character, Dan, along with Mandip Gill, who is reprising her role of uh, Yasmin Khan. Whitaker's casting was announced back in 2017 when she was chosen to follow Peter Capaldi as the Time Lord. Um, she and uh, the showrunner had worked together on um, another show, uh, Broadchurch. Uh, the change to a female doctor caused a rating surge when Whitaker first appeared, but also upset a vocal mi uh, minority of fans who objected to the time-traveling, face-changing alien having a different gender. Uh, viewers have fallen away during the uh, her two series... Uh, uh, two seasons so far. Nevertheless, in 2021, the New Year's Day special, uh, Revolution of the Daleks, which featured the return of the popular character uh, Captain Jack Hartness, um, the BBC, it was actually the, the most watched program on that day. Now, of course, John Barrowman has been having some controversy over his behavior on the set of Doctor Who between 2005 and 2009. Um, the director of drama from BBC had stated that over the last four years, Chris and Jody have made Doctor Who history and their time on the show is inevitably marked from our memory on our on our uh, memories from Rosa Parks to the ascension of the Cybermen. Chris and Jody have given Doctor Who some of its most life affirming and tear jerking moments to date. And we are beyond excited to see what they have in store for us in this new series this autumn. Jody's final adventure to mark the BBC's uh, Centauri uh, in 2022 is set to be the uh, Doctor Who special to remember. Uh, I'd like to thank them both for their incredible work on the show. And this isn't anything that kind of comes as a surprise to us. We knew that she right. was going to be leaving after this next mm -hmm. series. Uh, it's a shame, you know, I'm, I'm from the old school Doctor Who days of Tom Baker when he was Doctor Who for forever. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> right. Really. You right. Know? Um, but I think I didn't fall in love with, right. with her. I was going to say, this wasn't your favorite doctor right. of the new versions. I warmed up to her the fastest, I think, mm -hmm. because in creating her own version of Doctor Who, she embraced the qualities that were so indelible in so many other doctors. And she was really a... a um, a combination of so many doctors mm -hmm. that you could recognize. Mm -hmm. um, so I warmed up to her much faster. In fact, I think Peter Capaldi was was the doctor that took me the longest to mm -hmm. warm up to because right. he was such a change. Right. He was uh, a jerk. <laughs> yeah. He was such a massive change from what right. we had what From we had Matt seen. Smith, you know, before um, that. And, you know. But I warmed up to her very fast. And I, and I enjoy all the work that she's done. Mm -hmm. and, you know, there isn't, there isn't anyone... The problem that I had with these series was the writing. Mm -hmm. You know, you had, you know, we've talked about this in the past. Mm -hmm. Everything with Doctor Who is aliens. Right. Okay. So if it's a vampire, if it's a monster, if it's whatever it is, it's, it's an aliens. Alien. Right. And you had too many politically charged statements in this last couple of series. Mm -hmm. You had environmental things that had nothing to do with aliens. It was just a very different style of writing. And that was really more the first season, I think. The, the second the season, season, they kind of realized yes. it has to be aliens. But the first one, they were definitely going places they had never gone before they, in they, the respects of right. who and they were fighting. It was, it, was not, it was not something that I really took, took mm -hmm. to. Uh, but she was a shining, shining point in the in the entire thing. Mm -hmm. What I do like is is the speculation of who might be the replacement coming in, which is another going to be another revolutionary 
type of thing with uh, Joe Martin, who played the fugitive doctor, who was the first black female person to portray the doctor. Mm -hmm. So there's speculation she might be the doctor that comes in after her, which I think would be a great way of continuing mm, that tradition okay. of changing things up. Right, right. Um, so hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I just hope the series continues. I don't want to see right. it go on hiatus again. Right. And have this long period of time where we don't have Doctor Who. Right. Uh, that was that was pretty painful. Mm -hmm. So that was all we had for our entertainment news. We'll be back with our insightful picks of the week. Go for your insightful pick. So my insightful pick of the week is Lupin, uh, which is on Netflix. And it is inspired by the adventures of uh, Arsene Lupin, the gentleman thief. The gentleman thief. Um, so uh, the, the main character, uh, Asan, sets out to avenge his father for the injustice inflicted by a wealthy family. Uh, Lupin is a French mystery thriller that is uh, streaming um, on Netflix. It actually came out in January of 2021 uh, with the first part of the series, which was five episodes. And then the last five episodes came out this past June. Uh, and Netflix has actually renewed it for a third part, which I thought was kind of interesting because it kind of wrapped up um in, in the second part of the show. Um, the show stars Omar Sy in the role of Asen, uh, who is a man who is inspired by the adventures of the master thief uh, Lupin, who is a character that was created by uh, Maurice LeBlanc in the early 1900s. So the first part, uh, consisting of five episodes um, of the show, kind of gives you a, a background of the character and his inspiration. Um, and then the second part kind of concludes the story and um, and all that he he's going through. Uh, the series was actually watched by 7 million households during its first months, becoming the most watched non-English series on Netflix. Um, it was interesting because when I started watching it, I'm like, wait a second, I think this is overdubbed. So there's no subtitles. It's all overdubbed, done very well. Um, but it's interesting because it's you already know who the bad guy is. But it's all the little ins and outs of this main character and how he tricks people to to get what he wants. And it's, you know, in some cases, it's very Doctor Who, like, I'm going to show you my ID, but I'm going to show it to you so fast that you don't even know what it is. And I'm so charismatic that you're going to let me in and, you know, all the disguises that he has and, and, and everything. Um so really kind of interesting and and couple of little twists here and there to kind of keep you, uh, you know, interested. And like I said, when I finished watching it, I kind of figured, all right, that's it. We're done. We you know, the bad guy goes to jail. But interesting to see what the, the third part will actually uh, have. So it's not in French. No, it's not in French. Oh, OK. Good pick. Thank you. So you know what else is a good pick that you had that I stole from you? <laughs> yes, and at is, least you admit that is, you stole I, it from me. I do, and I freely admit it because it <clears throat> Thank was a you. fantastic pick. And that is Surreal Estate. No, it's not a story about a knight selling castles. It's Surreal Estate. Ha! Um, yeah, right. Okay, so that joke didn't go over so well. I thought it was funny. Real estate agent Luke Roman is the owner of the Roman Agency, a boutique residential real estate brokerage specializing in, quote, metaphysically engaged properties, also known as haunted houses. Luke has a special connection to the spiritual realm. He can not only sense the presence that might inhabit a client's house, he can often communicate and negotiate with it which I guess is great if they're the ones that own the house. Yeah. Along with his team, Luke takes on houses nobody else can or will sell. So the show is a refreshing take on the supernatural in a fictional setting. Often relegated to police dramas or murder mystery style shows, the supernatural realm is getting a bit stale with the exception of maybe the mockumentary show previously talked about on this podcast, What We Do in the Shadows. 
Surreal Estate is a mix of mystery, comedy, and a dash of supernatural reality like Ghost Hunters. The team of paranormal experts help to investigate events in metaphysically engaged houses and help determine the causes and ultimately the solutions to those issues so weary owners can sell them. It sounds like a new reality show, right? But this is a scripted doc- a drama and one that's very well done. The characters have a depth and complexity right off the bat that you don't normally see in shows today. There's a chemistry with the cast that makes the entire show work, and there's enough plot in each show to make them unique, while the overarching story of the season is advancing consistently in each show. You don't feel there's a minute of time in any episode wasted to pointless storytelling, which is a testament to the show's writers. I've enjoyed each episode so far, and I'm excited to see where the series goes. We're, what, three episodes in? Three? Yeah, I think so. Three. We watched the third one the other night. Mm -hmm. So, So Real Estate streaming on Sci-Fi, and we'll be right back. So, what do we have for our... Afterthoughts today. Uh, so I guess in next weekend, I believe, would be Monster Mania in Cherry Hill. Uh, that's Monster Mania 46. Uh, Monster Mania 47 will be September, the end of September in Hunt Valley, Maryland, and then the end of October in Oaks, Pennsylvania, all three of the Monster Manias. Uh, then, of course, we have the free uh, toy show Carnival of Collectibles. That's in September. That's a, a small um, toy show. Not not very big. They usually just have like one kind of small room dedicated to it. But if you've never been to Carnival of Collectibles, that's kind of an interesting place yes. uh, to go to as well. There's all these different vendors selling stuff. It's I wouldn't even it's know. It's a flea market without people there. Right. So they have like little rooms, you know, like it's an booth, open, basically. yeah, like basically a booth and people just have their stuff. And if you're interested in buying it, you just take it and you go up front and it has a label on it. And I'm sure there's some name that they call that. I just can't think of what it is. But while they have all of that normal stuff, they have a little toy show. Well, going some on. of that stuff's not so normal, too. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of it's not normal either. Um, then, of course, one of our uh, favorite locations in Delaware uh, at the Nurse Shrine Center, uh, they do a weekend where uh, the Saturday is the Delaware Toy uh, the Train Show, and then Sunday is the Oktoberfest Toy Show, and that is October 9th and 10th, and that's in uh, Delaware, as I said. And then, of course, RetroCon! <laughs> I should be popping Man, through these on the screen, sh- aren't I? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was choking. Man, that, was like, that was like pulling teeth. <laughs> so RetroCon is returning this year, and that will be September 25th and 26th, and that will be at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center in Oaks. Why is it greater? Because they said so. <laughs> See? I'm good like that. Um then, uh, you know, probably the next weekend after is Brickfest, um, which is October 2nd and 3rd. If you're a fan of Legos, as we've mentioned before, this is kind of a cool one. Uh, you don't have to necessarily have kids uh, to to enjoy Legos, obviously, these days. So really kind of cool to see, you know, the smallest displays to, you know, some very massive ones there. Um, and that is it that we're going to talk about this week. Uh, before we do move on, I would... So, you know, let me just say that a lot of these are local to us. And mm-hmm. It's because these are the ones that we go to. Mm-hmm. If there are other shows, toy shows, pop culture shows, anything like that, that people from around the country, because we have listeners from around the country to around the world listening mm-hmm. and watching the show. If you have things that are coming up that you think our audience would benefit from, email us, send it over to us, let us know. We'll get it into the show as well so that we're not just covering stuff that we go to, mm-hmm. uh, unless everybody wants to travel to the tri-state area in New Jersey here, which you're welcome to. Which is fine. 
Although <laughs> during a pandemic, I wouldn't really encourage yeah. that too yeah. much. But yeah, send it over to us. We'll be happy to, to look it up. We'll put it up on the uh, podcast. We'll get the links out there and we'll start promoting other people's things as well, not just the stuff that we go to. Mm-hmm. So I think that was all we had this week, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go, I do need to bug the audience one more time to subscribe to our podcast. You can get audio versions of this podcast listed as Insights into Entertainment. Video versions of all of our shows can be found listed as Insights into Things. Anywhere you can get a podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, and so forth. Um, and again, send us your, your comments, send us your events. You can email them to comments at insightsintothings.com. You can find us on Twitter at insights underscore things. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash insights into things podcast. We're also on Instagram at instagram.com backslash insights into things. Audio versions of this podcast can be found on the web at podcast.insightsintoentertainment.com. You can find all of the video versions of all the different podcasts that we do at youtube.com backslash insights into things. We do stream six days. I think this week we stream seven days this week on Twitch and YouTube. On Twitch, we are at twitch.tv slash insights into things. If you are an Amazon Prime subscriber, you do get a free monthly Twitch Prime subscription. We would appreciate you throwing our way. And if you forget all of those links, you can go to our main website that has everything listed along with some little bios about us as well at insightsintothings.com. And I think that's it. Another one in the books. Have a good week, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.